and here to see if we learned anything from the Samantha Bee show last night is Dana Lash. She has her own show where she learns a lot. Hey, Dana, do you always end with a lesson we should learn from the Dana Lash show when you're done? No, but that's a really good idea, Brian. Yeah. I think I'm going to incorporate that beginning today. I'm going to start today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? I know. I just need a helpful dog. I miss dog. that show, Brian. Right, sure. <laughs> so, you know, uh, <laughs> what did you think of Samantha Bee's apology? She, at the end, she made it pretty clear that she was sorry for using that word, but at the same time, it diminished her ultimate big picture point, which was about immigration in this country, and she doesn't like the way Donald Trump is handling it. Yeah, I think that that was just I think that that was just a, an excuse. And I love how she says, well, I say this word on my show all the time. Well, oh. I don't think America knows that because America doesn't watch her show. So maybe she does. But we just why? Why in the world out of all words to try to reclaim? Would you try to reclaim that one? And right. you don't reclaim a word by using it in an insulting manner to uh, against another woman. That's not reclaiming the word. That's joining along with the gang. And Samantha B apparently didn't pick up on that. And furthermore, she as she finally realized, she hijacked her own intent to bring attention to illegal immigration by using this term and that's what everyone talked about and no one talked about anything else. But this is the most that anyone has talked about her. So I don't feel sorry for her because she got mm. what she wanted. She used this word because she wanted to be shocking. She wanted to expand her name recognition. And she did, but right. she's not recognized in a good way. Nor yeah. do people identify her as being someone who is is smart or humorous. Yeah, you didn't used to have to be vulgar to be funny, but somehow it turned into that. Right. You were de-verified? I, I, I'm banned. Well, he was banned. <laughs> you were banned through a verification? Yeah. That's impressive. I know. It's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's because he was using his verification for the right thing, to troll other verifieds. Everyone, hello. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie Third. I'm Jack Allison. And I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. And today we have a really cool, exciting mystery guest. You know him from <laughs> Vice. You know him from Weird Twitter. He is a an icon of the online <laughs> left. Uh, this is Mr. Crank T. Nelson. What's up, guys? I, I certainly don't deserve such a, a luminary of, a, of an intro, but uh, <laughs> thank you nonetheless. All right, so let's get back to where we were. We were just talking like a little bit before recording about why you go anonymous online. And, you know, we, we've talked about this on the show before. There was like a movement like maybe 10 years ago to de-anonymize the Internet. And there was this idea that it would make people be less toxic online, like if everybody was required to use their real name on YouTube. And I theorize, mm -hmm. and I, I wonder what you think about this. I think that this just made everybody more toxic in real life. Suddenly, everybody had their real name tied to this shit, and so they felt they could go out into the real world and be just as horrible in real life. <laughs> I think so, too. I think it also probably emboldened, like, you know, whatever segment of the people who would have otherwise been anonymous into, mm -hmm. like, you know, becoming exceedingly anonymous or exceedingly, you know, kind of dickheadish. It's yeah. like, really, what it is, is it's separating the people who do not give a fuck, like the Mark Dice and, yep. and the people who are like, 
Yet is my real name. I'm going to say awful, awful things. Way worse than anything that the anonymous people were saying. Because it's kind of separated the contingent of people who, like, literally are, you know, some men just want to watch the world burn. And other people <laughs> who just kind of don't want weirdos calling HR. Um <laughs> And, which, is, know, which, that, is, which is which is which is which is what which is where you were on your side. So just tell us a little bit about why you decided uh, uh, to use the name Craig T. Nelson online. So Craig T. Nelson was one of many, my God, many years ago. I was in a, I, I would go. There was this bar down the street from me where we would play trivia. Me and some buddies, uh, we get together and do this, like you know, get really fucked up and play trivia. And uh, you know, I think Craig T. Nelson was one of our names one week. I personally, <laughs> my favorite was. Vaseline Dion, that was our name one week. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, the whole Nelson. the whole face of the left Twitter could be different if you had gone with that name. I could have been a Celine Dion uh, uh, iconography. <laughs> um, but uh, so I created an account, like I had a bunch of throwaway Twitter accounts for following shit, in, like 2015. Never once posted from it, and I had a, a, a creative job at uh, you know a proper company where I was, as I said, not particularly high up the totem pole. So I was, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, people were getting, you know, let go for all of a variety of reasons because of the way, you know, low-level workers get treated mm-hmm. uh, in our current economy. And I felt, you know, even if it's just being a little bit safe, it's probably a good idea just to, you know, not even have to give HR the opportunity to adjudicate on this. Yeah. So around Christmas of 2016, almost New Year's 2017, I encountered this guy online named Grant J. Kidney, uh, who some of you might remember um, as like the fedora Nazi who, uh, <laughs> who you know, loved sex bots and. and, and had oh yeah, 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 yeah. He he was uh he was like one of the uh, he was sort of a proto incel. Yeah. Yeah, he was a real proto incel, and he was bragging that he flew on private jets and that he was an investor in Hyperloop which oh, didn't make course. a lot of sense. And he kept posting pictures of himself with this, this girl. And if, and if you went and looked at his Facebook, he was like, you know, kind of semi posting the same things he was posting on Twitter to his like Facebook fan page. Mm-hmm. And uh, hold on, let me see if I can turn that down. That's my dumb Slack notifications. Um, <laughs> you know, as Wall Street executives, we love using Slack. <laughs> we love Slack. Um, why, but, why pay uh, for an office? I should mention that, uh, a lot of my, um, uh, in call line, whatever. Um, a lot of my uh, detractors online are convinced that I'm a Wall Street executive, which, right, you know, whatever. Sure, let's go with that. Which is true. Uh, that's true. That, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. Correct. I'm, I'm beset by cash, and and, and I love doing <laughs> stocks. Well, I you gotta say, stocks, trading plastics futures. Don't get me started. <laughs> but, well, I gotta uh, say, I thought Fear, Fearless Girl was a brilliant move on your part. So uh, keep keep that up. <laughs> I'm all about oh, more yeah. women yeah. bank CEOs. Was me. Yeah, I was the guy that humped fearless girl. No, um, <laughs> but uh, no. So um, around then, I decided I want to start talking with him. But he was clearly kind of a, you know, I'll call your parents sort of type yeah. poster. So I, I opened up Twitter and I was like, oh, I have these like three throwaway accounts that I like squatted on the name for, you know, three years ago. I'll start posting from one of those, and uh, pretty quickly just absolutely, you know, without, you know, being too, uh, too vindictive over the dead is he has since quit Twitter. <laughs> um, 
And politics in general. He quit politics and political consulting wow. because he was so ruthlessly owned online after years. But I wow. uh, went on Facebook and he had been posting the same pictures uh, that he'd been posting to me online, being like, look at my hot girlfriend who I have sex with all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and he tagged her in it. So I just messaged sure. her being like, is this your boyfriend? And she's like, fuck no. <laughs> Like, uh, I went on a few days with him like four years ago and he's got like a baby dick and like I don't uh, you know like absolutely not and you know him being you know normally I think you know that sort of stuff might be a bridge too far in terms of you know airing out on the internet you know for almost anybody else um, even other people on the right who I might disagree with you know I don't want to you know, that can be a really upsetting thing to do but this guy's sure. like out there posting the 14 words and you know saying people uh-huh. should kill themselves yeah, yeah, very, yeah, like, very little sympathy. Off. Yeah, gloves yeah. fucking off. Even if he wasn't like a fedora chief, like fucking <laughs> gloves off that shit. And that kind of you know got me a few thousand followers, and then it, you know I kind of took off from there. I think the only real crux point of when it grew any point was uh, at any you know rate that was you know not steady was the anti super soldiers thing that yeah, uh, obviously. Right. Had a, quite the little bit of a bump in my notoriety online. But other than that, it was just, you know, a solid year and a half career of being mean to people on the internet. (laughs) Let's talk about your latest post uh, for vice, your latest article. Uh, You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm somebody who likes to talk comedy. I used to do stand up, and I'm, you know, Jack is a comedy writer and has been for many, I'm many nominally, years. I'm, I'm nominally uh, technically a comedy writer, despite and, the fact that I don't do any comedy writing. Yeah, and, sure. the, and the article you wrote, um, which I really agree with, and I don't understand why more liberals don't understand this, is uh, titled, The Conservative War on Comedy is Full of Shit. Um, yep. Yes, and it's a, and you cover the Michelle Wolf thing where a bunch of uh, conservatives pretend to be mad because she mentioned um, what Sarah Huckabee I, said. It was Sarah Sanders' I, eyeshadow at the, yeah, yeah. At the WHCD, and not only uh, conservatives, yeah. like you know, of course, all like you know the the New York Times like Maggie, you know, writers and stuff. Maggie, yeah, Maggie Haberman jumped in too. Yeah, those are the people who I find to be, you know, kind of, and that was something that my editor kind of hold out a little bit more of, and I think just, you know, the vice politics editor is, is a very good editor, but, you know, and more so than the entertainment editor, he, he tries to keep me a little bit honest in terms of journalism. Like I wrote an article once where I kept referring to Jack Dorsey. Like I gave Jack Dorsey superlative as uh, sentient flesh tube in a hoodie. And then <laughs> Does he have, uh, he's got those, uh, he got the nose ring and David Simon told him to die of boil. So he is, uh, he's on fire this week. <laughs> yeah. He's killing it, man. Um, but you know, so things like that, you know, certain just, you know, journalistic standards and like, I can't make, you know, accusations without at least linking to something more, you know, uh, reputable as, as my citation and things. You need uh, to cite you know, that he was senti- a sentient flesh tube. Level. <laughs> yeah I, on twitter i'm allowed to write whatever bullshit i want but um you know so when i was writing about that one thing i really wanted to focus on was those kind of the people who are in search of constantly those centrists who are in search of politeness and cordiality uh in terms of our you know kind of conversation uh when you're dealing with a side that will only use that cynically against you mm-hmm. um you know to, to believe that the people who are up in arms about the eyeshadow joke really give a shit about it is, you know, requires a cognitive dissonance that, you know, I think would be pretty, you know, disruptive for anybody trying to make a, you know, a, you know, a coherent point. 
um, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, you guys are the ones who like, you know, they say, oh, it's so ups- it's so wrong for the media to, to uh, you know, speculate about whether Melania had plastic surgery. You have Trump who like a couple months ago was saying like, oh, yeah, that, uh, uh, that girl from Morning Joe, her face was all cut up. She looked gross. <laughs> like, you know, like in public, it, it, you know, that, that we're supposed to believe that there's some level of decorum that is owned to this fucking hideous family full of assholes. And the pussy grabber president is insane. Right. And they don't really believe it. One, they want a pound of flesh back for Roseanne. And two, yeah. they want to cynically use the tenets of liberalism against you. It's just like how Richard Spencer came out recently and said, obviously, we don't believe in free speech. We're using free speech absolutism as a ploy to allow ourselves to you know, put our propaganda out into the mass media. Right. And, and yet, for some reason, these guys are making thousands upon thousands of dollars selling the message that their speech is under attack. It's not. They are under, uh, you are at most in danger of being yelled at online. Right. Yeah, I mean the Barry Weiss problem. I remember yeah. I, I, uh, I made a joke after that racist lawyer thing happened, where you know it was like it was written in screenplay format on Twitter, and the, uh, you know it's racist lawyer guy like Mexicans aren't people. I'm going to deport you. I'm calling the Gestapo. Fuck you. And then you know the screen direction goes Barry Weiss pounding on door. Sir, are you being silenced? <laughs> uh, it's really the only people that they seem to to care about with that. And then again, you know, it's also speaking about relative power. You know, you're yeah. talking about a group of, you know, college freshmen who are yelling at Christina Hoff Summers. That has no greater, <laughs> right. that has no greater consequences beyond that situation. It's not like those kids are going to write a law preventing her from ever speaking. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, doing their free speech. See, and I, these people are, you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm fully convinced that this round of, Prager U, uh, Koch Brothers Campus Reform, uh, you know, uh, anti-censorship right-wing movements on campuses are not actually designed for college students. The, what, I, I am more and more convinced by the day that they are designed for people like me who fucking dropped out or people who never went to college. So they go, yeah, man, it's really... Charlie Kirk went to a two-year, uh, like, uh, communities college, which, again... Is perfectly fine, and there's nothing wrong with that as opposed to going to a four-year school or, or going to graduate school or anything. But he's constantly harping about campus culture, and I'm like, bro, you live with your family 40 miles away. How would you? How the fuck would you know? You, how would any you're, of these guys know? Yeah, the, the Koch brothers. Well, but you know, not only that, but but by focusing on like random teenagers to flip out at, like. Is is it shocking that nineteen uh, year olds don't always act completely rational on campus? Like, are we shocked that like all of these young people trying to figure their own shit out and also figure out their place in the world might uh, be emotional when it comes to this shit? These kids that are like so threatening to you know Jordan Peterson and Christina Hoff Summers and the rest of them, like you know, I think that it's very cool that they're out there like making their voices heard and absolutely go yell at these people, but like. A group of college kids, like, it's difficult for them to put together, like, a bake sale. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to, like, organize and get the First Amendment repealed, you know? Well, I mean, during yeah. these during these protests, there's always, like, a thing that happens where, like, uh, a college student will, like, pull a fire alarm at a Sargon of a Cod speech or whatever. <laughs> and then, and then you know, they go online and go, we're under attack, we're under attack. It's like, no, it's like a fucking 19-year-old being, like, a smartass. <laughs> like, it's not... 
There's no attack happening. It's kids going, you suck. We don't want to listen to you. <laughs> and the, the only thing is that, you know, if that's just one kid doing that, that doesn't, you know, pose a significant enough threat, you know, in, in their narrative to be a particular, you know, kind of rallying point. But they have to portray it as this is this, you know, wave of, you know, left wing fascism that's coming down from all these yep. kids with, you know, like, you know, short bangs and stuff like that, or like mini bangs <laughs> and stuff like that. They're all really, you know, like those people are powerless. It's like the type of person who goes on Reddit under that, like making fun of Tumblr people, you know, subsection. Right. Um, and, you know, you're like, oh, look at all these kids trying to come up with like new like genders or new like you know types of sexuality like you know ghost boy sexual or something like that you're like these are teenagers trying to figure their shit out and they are yeah. so far from the wheels and the gears of power that it is that they as illustrated by the fact that their only place to express these thoughts is on tumblr yeah. and you're getting more upset about that than the people who have far more radical views about changing our society who are in positions of power and are, you know, actively doing it in coordinated and, and, and very powerful ways. Uh, I, you know, one of the... Okay. No, I was just going to say, I also think there should be, like, a, a maximum age cutoff for being irritated with Tumblr. Like, once you hit 27... Yeah. Once you hit 27 and you're still getting pissed off at Tumblr, uh, what the fuck are you even doing? Like, this is a website for children. <laughs> you know? <laughs> funny and, and somewhat, you know, risable in some senses, but I never, I was always like, lol, look at this. Never to the point that like, I was like, holy shit, our society, what is going like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. Nobody did this shit over Zanga or live journal. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's, again, it's as significant of a threat as Michelle Wolf's joke about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Perfect. Something that they full circle, baby. So let's and let's yeah, watch me bring that back. Watch me yeah. watch me watch me land this bird. Uh, I, I just wanted to I wanted to say briefly though that there is a, there's a section in the article that I that I definitely hold near and dear to my heart where uh, uh, you're talking about how there was this belief that Trump's election would be so good for comedy and uh, uh, how just completely far from reality that theory was. Uh, uh, I think that you know uh, aside from all of this like conservative consternation and everything like that, the fact that there's now only hunger for Trump-based, you know, orange man, uh, small hands comedy uh, is very, very bad. It's so bad. The liberals, I say it's a part of, it's a greater, it's a small part of a greater trend, which is being very disillusioned with liberals. You know, I will admit freely to somewhat phasing or fading out. I was in college during the majority of Obama's uh, tenure. And um, I remember that, the, you know, kind of, excitement when he was elected i think i smoked yep. a bong in front of cop that's what it was really about the obama election was just about that one night where we got to go out in yeah. the streets and feel good yeah, uh, for eight more years yeah I remember, we, were, we were having a good time but um i remember the yes we did status out. updates yeah I, I think it was chomsky who said it but it might have been someone else but they said you know nothing's worse for a movement than winning an election and that was <laughs> very much true for for my case um, but then I came back and, and, you know, people were telling me, you know, it's going to be great for comedy. And on one side, you have the reactionary right who says literally anything. God, listen to right wing radio. And they will tell like the, the Trump family is the most beset upon and noble <laughs> family. Where they're like this poor, 
a great American man and his patriotic children are being <laughs> maligned by the evil. And you're like, they are billionaire ghouls who don't give right. a shit if babies ground into cow feed. Fuck that. <laughs> but, you know, on one side you have that. On the other side, you have this very annoying liberal orthodoxy where everything has to be like President Cheeto, small uh-huh. hand. God fucking help me. The homophobic, like, he's yeah. in love with Putin shit. Yeah. And like, and also the like loving the FBI kind of shit. Like you know, we the, stand like, with stand with uh, McCabe and Comey, our heroes, who we hated yeah, two months the ago. Daddy Mueller stuff. Like fuck me. Oh, it's Ugh. so. Weird. And they get really mad. Everybody gets very mad now because we're in this very politicized time where also somehow politeness is also somewhat held up as a as a. It's uh, it's neo Victorianism is what yeah it truly less is. important than it's ever been clearly because look who's in the White House but uh yeah this is the era when we have to bring back politeness and political norms whatever the fuck those two words mean together well I do I would do want to give a shout out to Samantha B you know for you know preserving those norms by apologizing for um, a joke that she her staff wrote. They rehearsed yeah. and they planned and they uh, said out out loud, recorded, uploaded, and posted. And then once people got mad at it, they, you know, basically bent over to apologize for it instead of like, and they can look like complete chumps. And I, I still don't know what she thought she would get out of the apology because all those people are still mad at her. Like it's all the same people who are when only the people who hate you already are mad at you for saying something, maybe don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, Those people are not viewers of Sam B's program. They're not like, I love Sam B's program until she called (laughs) my hero, Ivanka Trump, that bad word. You're like, no, that's not the same people. But having said that, there are people like, you know, I've spoken to my sister and I try and be respectful to, especially when I'm talking, you know, about issues of like, you know, targeted words, like, you know, sure. racial slurs, words like the word that, you know, I've said uh, that uh, Ivanka was directed at Ivanka. Yeah. You know, those words have a lot of meaning for people from backgrounds that aren't mine. And yeah. so I try and be somewhat open to, to you know, people explaining you know, that they don't like using that word. Um, I mean, to be frank with you, like, I, I just think that, like, it was malpractice on the part of the writers in Samantha B to, like, the same day that Roseanne get fired, like, load up the gun and put it in their own mouth and be like, okay, conservatives, like, just put your finger on the trigger. Like, I think, if anything, I'm just like, guys, like, just have a little bit of fucking awareness about what's going on in the world and, like, wait a week before calling Ivanka well, and, a cunt and it was when very... no one will care. It was very obvious that the White House was doing a trial balloon with Bill Maher, too, and nobody nobody cared. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Cancel <laughs> I the guy. I wish. Please. Yeah, you know, we please. all did a little too hard to that. We were all like, very <laughs> sick. Like, no, not Bill Maher. <laughs> like, who even likes him anymore? What is? I don't understand where his his money is coming from. Bill, Maher, Bill Maher makes his money surrounded by other rich people who are very socially progressive, but to a point, and mm. constantly complain about how crazy everybody is nowadays. Everyone's just so extreme. Yeah. I mean, it's so far right or so far left. It's all, oof, I just can't handle it. Here I am, the normal, sensible one with my uh, 
with my, my ideas firmly planted in the ground and an understanding of reality. And man, like, it's really, 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 really annoying. I, 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 there is like a tiny part of me that empathizes with the Bill Maher audience in that like I am a leftist who gets deeply, deeply annoyed with other lefties and liberals. But that's more of like just me being an irritable person in general. And maybe, <laughs> yes, maybe it's good that you can separate out that you're kind of a dick. I'm kind of a dick. Like that doesn't mean anything about a political movement, you know? Right. So I think Bill Maher maybe like feeds that kind of thing where it's like, God, yeah, like I agree with them, but they're also really annoying. But then Bill Maher always takes the next step and goes, and that's why we need to keep things exactly the same as we are. New rules, change nothing. It's boring. And it's like, I think that boomers like the way it is, is that boomers like to watch the same TV show once a week. Like that's why (laughs) Bill Maher's still on the air. Like it's very comfortable for them. They they like things to be the same every week. And their shows are part of that. Like, yeah, like a soap opera. Yeah, um, but uh, it was funny. I remember, like, maybe months. I don't watch the show, but obviously, I get components of it through various channels. You know, as as you do when you're online. Sure. Um, and I think it was Henry Rollins, was someone of that who, who was on. You know, maybe a month or so ago, and Mara was really trying hard to get his like, oh, you know, like the Twitter mobs. Oh, yeah, like you know that kind of thread running, and the guy just goes. Yeah, I think that's pretty dumb. Like, you know, I think the whole thing about that is pretty dumb. Like, I don't care. And Mar had really been hoping that he would be like, oh, you know, they're the worst. They're the biggest threat to free speech. And he's like, I don't know. You say something dumb on a public platform and a bunch of people think it's dumb and tell you it's dumb. Yeah. Seems normal to me. And so Bill Mar just got, well, Bill Mar got so thrown by this. and was like, oh, I don't And just moves on. And then yeah. the next week, he had Barry Weiss on. And you could <laughs> tell he was like, oh, I have found my soulmate. I have found my person. <laughs> and then he's had Barry Weiss on like every week since then because they had this dumbass, similar view that the biggest threat to free speech is people telling them that they suck when they say stupid things. Uh, you know what's so funny about all, all the everybody who thinks that Twitter is the biggest threat to free speech are the same people who like ten years ago said never read the comment section who have now for some reason consigned themselves to read the comment section every single day and let it weigh so heavily on them. To Bill Maher and the rest of them, just stop reading the comment section, guys. Take like, Tyler if it really the creator's fucks you up advice. Yeah, he turn was the right. monitor Log off. Log the fuck like, off. <laughs> Getting off of Twitter. And I know that this uh, this goes against your business model, Kring, but getting off of Twitter and I'll granted, never go off. I was kicked off, but getting kicked off of Twitter and then quitting Facebook voluntarily, best thing to ever fucking happen for my mental health. I'll say that over and over again. Like I, it is, uh, it is remarkable how much easier life is when you're not constantly worried about every single thing you do and uh, uh, getting put under that that internet microscope. And you don't have to actually volunteer that information either. Yeah. You don't have to volunteer just because not, Facebook. Not me. I, I prefer I prefer to work. I nine like what to you five. do, Jack. I, I prefer to work nine to five for a company that doesn't pay me <laughs> um, and at posting stuff that will very directly hurt my actual yeah. career. I, well, I prefer that. You're you're following my old model to the T. Yeah, it's great. I'm actually looking at my analytics, and ooh, it's been a bad month. 
I'm down 19% in tweets, down 20% in impressions, oh, down 16% um, profile yeah. visits. That's going to hit your paycheck. Shit. Oh, I'm, I am up 48 followers, but just 48. Like, wow. See, now, Ooh. but we're all like, just working so, for Jack Dorsey like, for free. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that is why I have access to all inform- this information, because this is my actual job. And I'm yep. just saying my quarterly review is not going to look good. Yeah, pretty bad, oh, pretty nasty. Fuck. I think WGA next time they strike, they should strike for uh, to strike a deal with Twitter. Actually, I think that would help the most writers in the world is if they got uh, Twitter under a contract. Yeah, I actually, it's interesting how many people in like my industry and all these other industries I know who either started on Twitter and moved over to writing, or you know, Twitter has helped their writing. But it is, I think Felix said this at one point. He said it's, it's definitely like you know for the smallest. Kind of of the major networks, it's definitely the bellwether for people in media. Yeah, and it's insane that they like. I don't know what they're doing over there. They have twenty five hundred yeah. employees. They can't fix anything. You can't get anybody on the phone. <laughs> they're just like huffing gas and pulling on their dicks. Like I do not understand. <laughs> they're YouTube, just they're making their their be millionaires. We'd all be. Yeah. I make a. I get a hundred million hits a month on my tweets. I'd be a millionaire. You know how much money yeah. I make. Nothing. I'm paid in sadness. So let's, let's, well, let's talk about that. The pivot to video that the internet has been selling us for the last couple of years. The yeah. idea that the written word is useless and not worth financial compensation. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder, uh, companies like Twitter and Facebook who benefit from so much free written content, why wouldn't? Why would they ever want to monetize words ever again? And the idea that video is somehow something that if you push towards, you will make money – uh, that has also proven to not entirely be true. Social media, I think, is actually just going down in general, and the only way to actually make any money using it is to go hyper niche, is to pick a, a subject matter, then like go into another another subject matter. That's in not that fair. You can matter. make a lot of money by going a uh, hard right conservative on Twitter. Well, that's true. I mean, well, yeah. well, I should grift it. Owen Benjamin makes like ten thousand dollars a month from his Patreon after he got banned after using yep. uh, Twitter for seven months. I told seven months. Yeah, I, I used to I used to hang out with that fucking guy, but he was like the piano. I I uh, I mentioned this in a different episode. He was like the goofy PG rated piano comic, like oh huge pianist. Get it? <laughs> that rules. Yeah, and like he was he was doing like cat skills, like he was doing like a uh, fucking like take my wife please jokes, and then all of a sudden it's like. All of a sudden, he goes on his rant about trans kids, and boom, a, a new market is born. And, I mean, uh, all it is is, like, for everybody, for, you know, it's like, I mean, for us. Like, I post stuff, and I'm like, cool, like, I'm getting dopamine hits from all the likes I'm getting and shit. Like, it's the same for Owen Benjamin. He's like, post something fucked up, and he's like, oh, everybody likes this. Oh, everyone's doing my Patreon. Like, I guess now forever, I'm like uh, the transphobic comedian. That's my new thing for the rest uh, of my life. I, I, I want to make this clear. Um, I do not get any dopamine hits from likes, retweets, and especially ads. Please do not think you're doing me a favor by adding. Do you me. take like blockers or something, Leslie? How do you avoid, it doesn't do anything. It, it, it literally reaction. does. The only thing it does here's here's what I like. I have enough followers that if I post a tweet and I want to send a follow up, all I have to do is click on my mentions, and then the, that tweet is there because somebody has already faved it. That's the only oh, thing that nice. being popular. Popular quote in air quotes on Twitter really does for me and being able to promote the show. But I do have some bad news. Um, 
Owen Benjamin, his Patreon is actually only at like five thousand. Like, yeah, I, because he switched whoa. out. Uh, he switched out to his own website. He says, "I don't trust Patreon. They're gonna the mar- the cultural Marxists are gonna demonetize us." So now people are just paying yeah. him directly through <laughs> Stripe. Yeah, he got him. Patreon. I like that the people who have that happen to them have you know it's it's so hilarious. I mean, and you know, I'm sure they'll say it's a joke, bro, but it's obviously not. Which is that their like version of that is called Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> That's How the point. And direct Benjamin, you have to be. He really lost any semblance of trying to write a joke. He literally just yells slurs now. Yeah, and, I, uh, he got kicked out of like his hometown's, uh, like like the uh, not his like his neighborhood council life. condemned yeah, him, and he got banned. He had a well. It's weird is that like he had a he like sells out or not sells out, but he likes sells tickets to these shows like people go and see this man live and he still goes to mainstream comedy clubs now and then too which is wild like he's not just renting out little theaters like he still is like i'm the guy from the house bunny and from uh sullivan and son on tbs book me like the guy starred on tv for a few years so it's not hard for him to book gigs well i do want to say he does have to do some self-reflection okay he has a podcast called why didn't they laugh where he analyzes (laughs) why people um don't laugh at his jokes. And I just want to say, episode 262, um, titled Anthony Bourdain is a Coward. Um, description. Oh Suicides are cl- cowards. Don't glorify suicide like Hollywood is. And I, I just want to say, like, I, I think I kind of have an idea why people didn't laugh at that joke. But <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to learn more. I'm willing to... You should listen to the full hour-long episode, just to make sure. You know, you have people like Faith Alaska. Remember him? Remember him? Yeah, but he's like, it's the same thing. It's like, these are like guys who are like failed entertainers who have no politics at all and are usually liberal and quote unquote woke. And then they see an opportunity to make some serious money going in the completely opposite direction. People like him and Cassandra Fairbanks, like it is purely about the grift. There is no yeah, ideology behind that. People who lack any sort of, you know, real moral compass. And, you know, you look at baked alaska he was at buzzfeed like two and a half years ago you know writing about supporting black lives matter and respecting people's pronouns and then he got like a little bit rebuked and this is i think why you have such a melange of weirdos in the alt-right like such a kind of wide variety of these weirdos is that it's really anyone who's been you know you know kind of corrected a little bit or pushed back on a little bit about a joke they made or something they said that, you know, any normal person would take a step back and do some self-reflection and realize that maybe what they were criticized for, I think in Baked Alaska's case, he was making fun of Native Americans or something. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you put you get pushed back on him rather than doing self-reflection, some introspection and saying, you know, that was wrong and that wasn't the right joke to make. Right. Or even just deleting the joke if it's online. Uh, you know, you, you gravitate towards the group of people who tell you that basically anything that you're admonished for isn't wrong right. and that the people who are admonishing you are, you know, the bad guys. Um, and, and, and it speaks to a real kind of weakness of character, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that I also think it gets, it, it also kind of gets to like what we were talking about earlier and why maybe the internet was better when everyone was anonymous because now baked Alaska, like he's got, he's like, has his face on everything. Like you get owned once and someone like baked Alaska, he's just like, well, 
Now I have to double down on this for the rest of my life. For the right, rest of my exactly. days, I have to double well, down. Whereas before, it would be like you delete your account and you register a new account <laughs> and you nobody knows that it was you anymore. But now Baked Alaska has to go through like a spiral of madness because he was owned that hard. Right. The, in the old days, the Nazi furries would delete their accounts True. and then maybe do some self-reflection and go, uh, also yeah, the maybe Nazi- like uh, being a fox that wants to fuck a turtle that wants <laughs> all like white people to kill uh, everybody else is bad like but <laughs> yeah well yeah, we got we're where we Did are you guys see the guy the nazi furry who killed himself like a month ago oh my god really no i didn't but yeah, i should i'm gonna google it <laughs> he was at the charlottesville rally wearing the white tuxedo with the tripoint hat and the pepe lapel oh my god but apparently he was pretty <laughs> well-known nazi on the furry community in the furry community he was part of like alt furry or whatever they call it I didn't sure. know any of this shit existed before this news story came out. One of those things where you just fall in a hole and you realize, like, there's a whole segment of very sad people you could have gone your whole life without realizing existed and be happy. Yeah. Um, this guy and you unfortunately, himself. like, have major political poll now for some reason. Yeah. And, well, so, like, you know, they killed himself. And then you saw, like, people like Millennial Matt, like, all those, like, dumbass Charlottesville people being like, he was a brother and a good man, and making <laughs> fun of him is not okay. It's and, like, very okay. Literally, so I, like, let's like, just make this clear, though. Like, the, eats his own guy. Like, okay. But but, but the, I don't understand. Well, the, they're obsessed with the idea, the ideas of like degeneracy and purity, and then like they they won't talk to like a Jew or a Mexican, but like they're down with furries. Like they have no consistency with their hatred. Even it's just. They just, uh, I, I don't Nazis know. Be more consistent. Be more consistent. <laughs> I think, you uh. know, if you start with the politics of resentment, you know, you could compare it to really anything. You could say they lack consistency in their philosophy about comedy. You could say they lack consistency about, you know, Trump's, just talk about Trump's fucking foreign policy shit. There's yep. no goddamn consistency other than just kind of a supervailing sense of resentment. Like, these, well, even, even that picture, right? right? That that yeah. picture of him with Merkel, like it's just pure, pure discontent, resentment, and simmering rage. Like yeah, it is. It feels like a very Stephen Miller sort of thing, where like nobody wanted to be his friend in high school. Like all the girls make fun of him and wouldn't let him run against them, and the all girls track me to prove that he was faster than girls. Uh, <laughs> you know that story, right? Yes, I do. He went to school out yeah. here too. The Santa Monica is like the breeding ground for like all the fucked up weirdo conservatives. It's because strangely. the liberals there are so annoying and so rich <laughs> that like the only way that people uh, can can rebel is by you know joining like the the not friends the of only Abe. way. There are not other the only ways, but, uh, the only it's mainstream way. way to rebel against when you're surrounded by obnoxious rich liberals who are constantly talking down to you. Uh, the the swing I want to make the argument that you don't have to. You don't uh, have if anyone's to. listening. You should. Santa Monica, <laughs> don't become Stephen Miller. Uh, it's what no, I would you recommend. You live on the fucking beach. Stephen Miller and the unctuous liberals. Yes, yeah. Um, yes, uh, uh, but yes, I do think that like there is a big thing of like Stephen Miller wants to show all the girls who were mean to him in high school by making World War Three start, uh, and that'll really show them. Yeah, it seems like a lot of that, and you know, I think you know it, it gets into the ideology of their jokes. Which is that on one hand, you know, you can have, you know, the same people who are mad that, you know, Michelle Wolf made a joke about someone's eyeshadow are the same people who are saying, like, we must support Owen Benjamin. 
because of you know free speech. <laughs> absolutely um, nothing when a function of the federal government, the White House, comes out and says Michelle Wolf should be fired, uh, Sam B should be fired. Uh, you know, but you know, I think the game that that is the most foolhardy game is at least those people understand that politics is not a game of compromise. It's a game of power and who has it. Mm-hmm. Like there's never going to be a situation, at least in you know the world that we live in, where you're going to come to some sort of Jeff Flake reaching across the aisle to smooch Joe Biden sort of situation. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Right? And, and the right seems to fully grasp the idea that this is a game of power and who has it and about gaining power and wielding it. And the Democratic Party and the media, like, you know, in general, seem to understand it as we need to get back to this place where, you know, we're all being bipartisan. We have to take back the culture and then we'll take back the country. Yeah. You get to deport a bunch of kids and then we get to rename a building after someone and, you know, it works (laughs) out. That's the grand compromise. That's how this wonderful country works. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's the worst fucking metaphor. It's like, it takes both a right wing and a left wing for a bird to fly. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, like, oh, I love to make anything into a childish pablum so my idiot fucking followers can understand it. Um, but nonetheless, that's a game that they're, that the right loves that they play because it, they, they can play into it and it will never work out for you. So stop being like this respectable media apparatus that says, well, yes, it was wrong for, you know, the president to sexually assault women, but it was also wrong for Sam B to say a mean word. (laughs) One, comparable. And two, you're never going to get credit from the right for saying that. They're never going to be a moment. They're going to call you a fascist wing of the communist party, whether you support, you know, even if fucking CNN comes out tomorrow and says we should give all the money in the world the Trump and the Cokes, and we should build a hundred foot high wall around all the borders and stop free trade. The right wing is still going to call them a function of communism. And you know, CNN is going to come out and do that when uh, Bernie Sanders wins the next primary. Yeah, they'll support his reelection, Trump. <laughs> if 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 it's oh, yeah. uh, versus if it's a Democratic socialist who ends up becoming the Democratic nominee, which you know, uh, you never know. You sure hope, but uh, you'll see the mainstream media all of a sudden supporting the GOP very, very I'm fast. The same very, way they supported Bush. Yeah, I'm getting very pessimistic about it, 2018 and 2020, and yeah. I don't think that bodes well because I generally tend to be pretty optimistic when I shouldn't be. So if I'm already pessimistic, yeah, oh, I don't well. think it's going to well. But like, I remember uh, I had a conversation with my mother, who's who's a little bit older. I asked me, she was like, "Well, what do you, well, what do you think isn't being addressed?" From your concerns as like a younger person, what, what is you know not being addressed by the current Democratic Party? And I'm like, pretty much everything. Everything? Yeah, um, everything. Um, houses cost $2 million. College costs $3 million. Healthcare is $900 a month if you're a freelancer. And the planet's uh, melting. I'm not looking to go back melting. to school to learn to code as a 50-year-old. So the Democratic <laughs> Party is not particularly offering anything for me. And she had to stop me because I think she was getting stressed out by this laundry list of things (laughs) that she knew very well the Democratic Party was doing nothing to address, like housing costs, education costs, health care costs, you know, the environment, uh, you know, international (laughs) situations like war, like we don't want to go to war, Israel and Palestine, uh, 
you know, all of these things, crumbling Anything. infrastructure, all these things, social security's gone, you know, all of these things that matter to me. And you look at Chuck Schumer and he's like, oh, we're going to ban Tide Pods and uh, sign a resolution saying that Israel is our best friend. Um, <laughs> Eat you know, I, I don't understand, you know, from my perspective, Chuck Schumer is probably one of the worst possible people to be helming the Democratic Party right now. And, you know, we're told that we need his, like, steady leadership on the wheel. Who the fuck likes Ted, Chuck Schumer? <laughs> I will never, I will never forgive the Democratic Party for the fact that the only time I've ever voted uh, in a general election, I, I voted for fucking Chuck Schumer. Um, and I'm sure some of the, like, the tanky listeners are going to be like, Krang is over. We'll cut but, this uh, out. We'll cut that out for you. Yeah, yeah we I can protect you. your... I voted for Bernie in the primary. I live in New York. I voted for Bernie in the primaries. Uh, it didn't go how I wanted, obviously. Sure. And then I literally dragged my ass down to Chinatown to go vote in uh, from work to go vote in the general, where I was told that because I voted for Bernie, my my uh, voter my uh, voter registration had been mysteriously purged. Uh, so I had to get an affidavit ballot to vote for Hillary Clinton and Chuck Schumer. And I will <laughs> never fuck the Democratic Party for that. Uh, on, that note, <laughs> on that note, we are, unfortunately, we got to wrap. Uh, what are you doing? Oh, God, I don't want to. It's sad to end on uh, Chuck and Hillary, but well, it's the world it, we're it's in. It's accurate. Yeah. Uh, what, so what are you up to now? What, what are you? Uh, do you have any new pieces coming out? Do you have any new pieces coming out? Do you have any new uh, uh, work going on that what we should like check plug? out? Yeah. It's annoying. I do have some work coming out, but it's not as Krang, so I, I probably shouldn't plug that. Just right just here. look, just watch, um, just watch anything that comes out, everybody, and try to figure out which yeah, one. Yeah, right. Look it at the stock market. If you like anything like <laughs> that happens, that was me. If you don't, it was my editor. <laughs> um, but uh, um, I will say, oh, um, I'm working on something right now that I'm kind of excited about. It's going to come out in a few months, hopefully. Um, but we're working on, uh, you guys remember the SBA NYPD? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to put together like a, a, a very short kind of Eric Andre-esque late night show. Oh, awesome. Uh, the, the police board sergeant, who, you know, obviously will be an actor. Um, but uh, having a lot of fun hating on the cops. That's so great. We, <laughs> hey, and uh, if anybody's asking if I um, I know I make a lot of jokes where I say the fuck the police, and I want to make it clear that I feel that way about every police officer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, all cops. As we do. As all of us do. As we do, too. On record. All right. Well, uh, well Crank T. Nelson on Twitter, everybody. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, and I hope everyone had fun listening, and we'll, we'll talk to you again later. <laughs> Absolutely.
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.